Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 291. Today, I'm joined by Jordan Christensen of The Draw to discuss how to make a hunt plan and secure tags for your adventure hunts. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. And happy 4th of July to you. Hopefully, uh, this past weekend, you were able to do a little partaying, a little bit of celebration of uh, this great country that we live in. Uh, Hopefully, you kept all your appendages. Um, There's always that one guy. Like, you're going to, I'm sure we all read about him in in the news at this point. Um, I'm recording this a little bit early cause actually this week I'm on vacation. So trying to get this stuff done in advance of leaving for vacation over the fourth. Um, so if someone did blow off digits and was in the news, I haven't seen it yet, but we all know it's going to happen, right? Like the one year it was, uh, whatever the guy's name was, Pierre Paul Jones was a defensive end or something for the giants blew his like two digits off his right hand or something like that. 
my angle just hands. So there's always someone that does that. So don't so don't be that guy. You know, I've also held you know fireworks and shot them out of my hand whenever I was a young and stupid man. Not suggesting that I'm any brighter today, but maybe maybe I, I at least know to not um, light off fireworks uh, and use my hand as the holder of of fireworks. So hopefully everyone. Got to have some beverages, spend some time with some family, um, do a little barbecuing. Maybe got out in the woods and uh, and, and and did a little white tailing if uh, if you had the uh, the opportunity to. As you're listening to this, I'm probably laying along a lake somewhere uh, or on a boat in the water, um, just enjoying the Fourth uh, of July holiday. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and just kind of jump into the things to uh, today and uh, and just get hopped into the podcast. Before I do that. Want to pass along some information if you haven't heard yet? Our buddies, buddies, that was a weird word. Um, our boys, that was kind of a buddies and boys. Our boys slash buddies over at Exodus have launched a new product. And the idea here is, is that, you know, we've all have been there where we were confused. You know, we weren't sure if the areas we were shooting were the right ones for our bow, if they were spying correctly, if they were the best ones we could be using, whatever the case was, we just were uncertain about the setup that we were using. I know I've, I've struggled with that at times. Um, we've all been there. So that's why my buddies over at Exodus, they actually developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build an, a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Here's what their team demanded before they brought the Exodus MMT to market. They demanded arrows fly with deadly accurate precision. High-grade components and technology creates the most accurate hunting arrow, period. Not only did they uh, do you get arrows built with the same jig for exact consistency, all shafts and components are carefully sorted to build for tolerances at plus slash minus two grains per dozen, which is, uh, which is crazy. Um, they demanded arrows to maximize uh, momentum efficiency. As bow hunters, the need for penetration is second only to a well-placed shot. Momentum is the driving factor for pen- penetration. Maximize momentum, maximize penetration. They demanded an arrow that had deadly long-range accuracy. Say goodbye to the giant pin gaps or long or spread out sight tapes, which I am a uh, a culprit of that, so I will look forward to having a normal, a normal person sight tape. Uh, they demanded an arrow that eliminated situational variables with proprietary fletching, arrow recovery, and components. Wind speeds up to 35 miles per hour become negligible at distance up to 100 yards. The Exodus MMT features a patent and proprietary 4K outer layer weave at a one-to-one ratio for increased torsion strength and durability while eliminating weave gaps. This offers balanced strength from all sides of the shaft and identical shaft diameters, meaning unmatched accuracy and performance. Built for from the shaft's first dynamic bend, identifying the exact spine index on every arrow ensures superior consistency, accuracy, and efficiency downrange, allowing for precision tuning Four times faster. If you've struggled to tune a bow, you can toss that out the window now with these arrows. The MMT carbon inner tube strengthens and stiffens the front end of the arrow, allowing unmatched arrow recovery, reducing energy loss by forcing the shaft into equilibrium at a faster rate and providing noticeable more downrange efficiency. The manufacturing process has some very specific stuff where they're using ceramic mandrels, which is is how they're able to kind of get that consistent uh, consistent shape or uh, 360 degree kind of shape of the arrow, uh, without any anomalies. This allows for slower, more consistent cooling, curing for better material integrity and creates a uniform shaft diameter with no taper fletched with airfoil technology. This is some aerospace stuff here that meets wilderness. The fletchings on the Exus MMT creates a quieter flight, faster spin rate, tighter flight profile, and less crosswind effect 
for more efficient downrange arrow. So be sure to head over to their, their website, check them out, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and check out all the details of the Exodus MMT and build your own arrows in their 3D builder. Arrows start at $119.50 a half dozen and $239 for a full dozen. So be sure to check those out. I've been flinging them, loving them. Um, I will, I'll have to adjust my sight tape a little bit. Um, but I'm dropping bombs already, uh, with that, even without, like, I probably need to adjust my center shot just a little bit. Um, just cause I'm going from a micro diameter shaft to, to, to these arrows. Um, but even with that, like I'm getting, uh, <laughs> extremely consistent arrow placement, even without having done anything to my bow to kind of, uh, for these arrows specifically. So with that, go ahead and just go check those guys out. Excessoutdoorgear.com. Um, you know you'll dig it. Um, they build great stuff. Their cameras are bulletproof. No reason why their why their arrows wouldn't be as well. So with that, we're gonna go go ahead and jump into today's show. Have Jordan Christensen on from the draw. I got a bunch of questions when I mentioned that I had had built a hunt plan with a group of folks um, to help me kind of through the application process of the different states that I wanted to hunt for the different species that I wanted to hunt um, and start to map things out. And the idea for me at least was that. I wanted to be able to start hunting a different uh, Western state in perpetuity, you know, uh, for as long as my body will allow me to. And I, I needed to start making a plan to acquire points. And I wanted to be able to do it in units that weren't just like over the counter units. I wanted to have an opportunity to hunt, you know, what I would kind of call a, um, a representative uh, a specimen of the species at, for whatever unit that I was going to draw. And it's way more for me to kind of understand. It's it's obviously it's a lot harder to kind of dealing with the Western applications and tags and stuff like that than it is whitetails for the most part. Um, so I ended up working with the folks at the at the draw, um, and they were able to help me kind of identify what species I specifically wanted to go after, what states were going to be probably in my best interest based on my goals, um, and then ultimately, you know, kind of outlining those things and kind of understanding how like the the points are going to work and when I could expect to start to draw. And they basically put a plan together for me to where I'll start applying to those states, acquiring the right points uh, for the types of units that I wanted to be in. And once it starts happening, usually it's about three years and you start to draw like your first tags. Um, at that point, then, you know, you should then really be able to draw and have some consistency and start to plan around a Western hunt, you know, for me, at least on an annual basis. And that was that was the goal. So I wanted to bring Jordan on to kind of explain what they do, how they do it, because I got a bunch of questions about it. If you've been wanting to kind of hunt the West and you want to hunt the West consistency, but it's just so much to try to understand and deal with on your own. You don't have to, um, these guys can do everything from, you know, from public land to, which is what I'm doing. It's all kind of, it's all public land setup, you know, so they're just helping me with the tags and the applications, or they can help you choose the right unit, the right outfit or the right guide, whatever the case is, they're kind of an all inclusive shop. So it's really just about having the conversation with them giving them your goals, what you're looking for, and they can kind of help steer you in the right direction. So I thought it would be a good idea to have Jordan on and just kind of explain what they do and how they do it. Um, cause he can explain it much better than me. And I got a bunch of questions about it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. And today, so everyone who listens to this podcast for any length of time, probably heard me mention back in the spring that I was working with some folks to help me kind of make a uh, kind of like a lifelong dream, if you will, to hunt a bunch of different cool places and be able to go out West year after year. And, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And so I figured if I'm going to do it, I need to start doing it now. And there's a lot of, 
you know, a spe- specifics that you kind of need to be aware of whenever you're trying to hunt out west, especially for a, a flatlander like myself. And so I've had a lot of people reach out, ask, saying, hey, who are you working with? Who is helping you kind of make this plan? And how can I get in touch with them? So I decided I should have on none other than Mr. Jordan Christensen from the draw to help people understand what they do and how they're helping me uh, make a plan. So what's going on, Jordan? How are you? I'm outstanding. I sure appreciate being here, Clint. Uh, these are always a good time and uh, I'm pretty we're always pretty humbled to, to get a chance to to uh, shed a little light on who we are and what we do. So we we appreciate it very much. Yeah, great opportunity. yeah I'm glad you got I'm glad you were able to come on. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where so my the way I got introduced to you guys was um, my buddy Chad Sylvester, uh, I think, had had set up a plan with you guys and he and I hunt together every year, usually always whitetails. And we've always kind of talked about, you know, going west and he's going to Idaho this year. I'm going to Idaho this year separately, you know, different, different units and so forth. But you could probably appreciate this for all the work you've done, not just with the draw, but as a guide and stuff like that. One of the most important things is having a good hunting partner, right? Especially if you're going to do Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so we're, we've been fortunate enough to kind of find each other, you know, and we've become best friends. And, and so we were like, you know, we should try to start doing Western hunts together because we both don't mind when it sucks. You know what I mean? And we like hard hunts. And, sure. You know, we're yeah. not, we're not, we're not afraid yeah. of that. We, we go into it eyes Un- wide Unfortunately, open. they're not all good all the time, <laughs> every time. That's right? right. That's right. So we both have an appreciation for that. And we both do a good job of kind of keeping each other's morale up and stuff like that. And so we were both, you know, wanted to start to set up Western hunts together. Um, and, you know, with the different units and points that you need and stuff like that, just for someone who maybe doesn't do it all the time, it's confusing. At least it was for me. And so he had been working with you guys and said, Hey, if we want to do these Western hunts together, um, you should maybe, you know, hook up with the, with these guys and, and talk about, you know, putting a hunt plan together so we can, so we can basically build the same plan and be able to go hunt the same units together, you know, however long we want to, you know, do this together. And so I ended up talking to you guys and, you know, and getting a hunt plan set up. And I've mentioned it a couple of times on the times of the podcast. I've had a lot of people reach out and ask me, you know, who is this? How do I get involved? And so forth. So it just seemed like a perfect opportunity to have you on. But before we jump into all the details and stuff, if you wouldn't mind, just give a little bit of uh, information, uh, you know, uh, the folks that are listening about your background, um, what you do for a living and so forth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of a back history of me. Um, my dad, uh, kind of in context to this conversation, my dad was super visionary. Um, when I was real young in Utah, we we lived in a in a state that was uh, gradually pushing towards uh, point systems. Um, there was a lot of over-the-counter hunting when I grew up, and that has slowly kind of started going away. And I think uh, just being right in the middle of that, he became pretty aware that if I was going to participate in some of the higher level, upper echelon type opportunities that were out there, that he needed to get me started. And so um I'm going to jump a little bit here, but I'm, I'm 39 years old Clint, and I've got over 20 points in, in a few places um, because of his kind of vision that this was the future. This was how hunting was going to happen out West. And some of those, uh, some of them, I, I've probably been playing the game for over 20 years, but have able been able to cash in uh, even a number of times on some really incredible experiences because of that ground floor that, uh, that, he gave me when I was younger and some of them haven't quite played to fruition just yet. But, uh, 
that's probably the beginning like of a passion of mine um, around the applications for a long time. It's just what you did, I guess, growing up where I grew up. And yet, um, I, I think my dad wishes he wouldn't have passed his hobby along quite as well because that uh, I uh, when I graduated high school, I joined the military. I was uh, with the Army for about six uh, years, uh, a couple inactive after that. Uh, did a year in combat over in Iraq from 05 to 06, came home and ended up in southern New Mexico. And this is kind of where the hunting really took off for me. Um, we have some sort of big game hunt 365 days a year here in New Mexico. And with Texas right next door, it just kind of lended itself that I kind of grabbed a, a hobby and turned it into a career for about uh about eight years, and I owned a taxidermy studio as well as guiding. Um, the guiding was ramping up constantly for, over those years to where about the time I started consulting, for probably four or five years leading up to that, I was hunting at least 150, if not 200 days a year somewhere with someone. Um, I guided for a lot of years on the Coyote Ab in Arizona, Unit 1 different places in utah colorado new mexico texas anywhere i could just be be hunting that's what i wanted to be doing and then uh about 2013 uh i ended up uh have having my first son and all of a sudden my goals and priorities changed and god has a plan for everybody i would have never dreamed mine was what i think he had in store for me and next thing you know i'm on the phone with cabela's they're asking me to move to Nebraska to work at their corporate headquarters. And it was probably the single most humbling thing that's ever happened to me professionally um, is getting a job offer to come and join that tags program up there and talk about like a baptism by fire, the <laughs> volume that we were dealing with. Right. And, and uh, I felt like I was pretty strong on a lot of states because I had just done it myself for a long time. But to get to have such a broad view um, with so many individuals and so many different goals and agendas and all these things. I, I mean, talk, I mean, it was like sharpening my ax like you could never dream uh, of another scenario that would give you that many reps, if you will, right. to kind of learn a new trade. So I did that for a number, uh, number of years, moved up to Nebraska and then Ambassador bought Cabela's. Um, a lot of things changed uh, with that company. And uh, the booking agency went a different direction. And my wife is from Las Cruces, New Mexico. So we moved back to southern New Mexico. And now we're just about to our fourth year anniversary. And there was six of us originally on that Cabela's team. And I've got three of us now under one roof again. And then we've also been able to add Casey Coolins and Jared Brown as full-time consultants. And my partner, Jason Browning, is really the the brain of it all if you will like he's he's probably not as customer facing as the rest of us but he's uh, a brilliant individual and and a huge part of of why we're where we're at today so nice. kind of full circle that's uh that's how i ended up uh, doing this all day every day so that is my job that's all we do is i do guide a little bit still but it's two or three hunts a year <laughs> the primary Thing. I drive a desk and I love it. I get to, instead of one guy every five days, I get 10 guys a day right. and share with them a lot of, of 
trial and error scenarios I've been through myself and with such a broad view and so many people that were helping, it also helps. Uh, you're, you're always evolving. You're always getting better because of, of all the experiences. Yeah. I mean, so, so just so I'm, I'm clear. So the, the draw really kind of started with the, the, the dissolving of the tags program at Cabela's, right? That's kind of like, that was going <laughs> the way of the dinosaur to a degree. And you guys were like, Hey, this thing's doing a lot of really good work. We kind of understand how this system works. There's a lot of people who have a need still. We should figure out how we continue to make this this work happen to continue to help to, to serve these people. Is that kind of like it, the... It, it, that's, it's close to that. It would, uh, you know, the, the tag program didn't entirely dissolve, but they did, uh, they, Cabela sold it to a private mm. individual and just a, a kind of a different, just like any time, a, a buyouts and things happen i think goals are different agendas are different and nothing bad but definitely just uh, a change and it was like you know i think uh i got an unbelievable education and where they kind of had uh some vision we me and and the guys who came uh, over at this point with us kind of had a different vision and all good i mean i i've said this for a long time i think like a little bit to your point um about your your listeners and stuff i think the idea of someone helping you manage hunting applications as uh as a job uh, oddly enough whether i was at cabela's or there's some really other great companies out there hunting fool epic um the, these these have been around a long time and yet in the midwest and in the east it's it's uh i guess for a western guy my, like myself it's it is slightly odd at how little awareness there is that businesses like ours exist. And so I've always said, whoever a guy finds, if it's a, you know, the relationship is the most important part of that process because all of them, you know, I know guys in each of these companies that are, that are absolute fantastic consultants. They know their stuff inside and out. So a lot of times if there's just a good connection with them and the consultant, it, I think overall building awareness about these types of business models in the Midwest and the East is whoever's getting the guy, there's benefit for all of us because it is still so um, it's not lots of guys are unaware that it even exists. It's an yeah. option that yeah. have some help them. A hundred percent. I had no clue. Like I'm, I'll be a hundred percent. I was ignorant to it until Chad made mention of it to me. And, you know, like I'd been out West before and, you know, I've been to Montana and I, I loved it there. And I, I know Montana has changed a little bit because I know that where I was hunting previously, um, it went from like primarily, I think whenever the last time I went, you could basically get over the counter if you wanted to. Sure. Um, yep. And then recently I know, you know, some, my cousin and my our buddy tried to go back out, I think the past two years. And I think they've only drawn like one year for that same unit, like the past two years. Um, yeah. So it became a lot harder to get like places ever that, present problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for a for a Midwesterner or an East Coaster who whitetail hunts, you know, which you know, yeah, there's some you know draw states like you know the Iowas and the Kansases and stuff like that. But really, when it comes down to it, it, it it's primarily Iowa. You know, like because Kansas, sure. you can like I drew this probably year, Iowa and Maine moose. Like those are the Maine moose. Yeah, guys are one of a no. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because yeah, Kansas, I drew this year with no points. Um, which yep. I know it's, it's harder now because a lot more people are trying to go to Kansas, but you know, you still can, you can probably hunt that every other year if you, if you really wanted to. And so hundred percent for sure you can. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, current anyway, currently, yeah, yep. yeah, currently. Right. Um, you know, yeah. so it, I think Midwesterners and East coasters are kind of familiar with that, but like, 
when you get out west, it becomes. But as soon as it gets complex at yes. all, where it's not an every other year thing, that that's where I think there becomes so much mystery, if you will, yes. around the process, and it's uh, it's almost like I, I attribute it a lot to like taxes, like yeah. it's ever evolving. The changes. I mean, we're we're seeing headlines even this week with some big changes that happened earlier this year in, in Wyoming. And, and then the, a cause and effect of those changes now is getting ramped up with more changes coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's exactly, so it's not even like you can just get a beat on it and say, yeah. okay, got it. It's, it's always evolving and it's almost like its own language. And oddly enough, it's funny because so many of these states, this is where it gets really hard. I think for a lot of guys is like, I, I try to put things, into about five categories when it comes to like applications and uh it's either a bonus point system or a modified bonus point system it's either a preference point system or a modified preference point system or it's random like it's one of those five and yet state by state when you're reading it sometimes a state will call their process a preference point process and yet the true definition if you will of that word um it is not what process they're using. Mm-hmm. Like it might be listed that. And again, there's where this confusion and mystery always happens. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought I, I thought I learned this, that a preference point means this. And yet because of the verbs and the words the states choose to use, um, it, it becomes muddy, very yeah. muddy. And yeah. It's, it's the shifting sands that you're talking about. Like that's the one kind of area. And then even just for like a normal guy, cause for me, you know, I reached out to you guys cause I wanted, I'd been wanting to head back out West. And like I said, I'm headed to Idaho this year. It was a, a lottery draw. I ended up, you know, drawing a, drawing a tag for like the panhandle. So it wasn't like a super sought after unit, which is probably why I got it. But I have a buddy who lives there that I was wanting to go hunt with. And, uh, Perfect. Yeah. So I was like, perfect. You know, I, I can, I can go like, not a, not a big deal. I'm not looking to kill the biggest bull. I'm just looking to go have some fun and hear some bugles and chase some, you know, run some drainages. And, um, uh, and so, but what I did want to do is I wanted to have like, I'm not a guy who chases like trophies necessarily. And I think a lot of guys coming from the Midwest and East probably aren't either, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I wanted to kind of have experience. It's an ever growing demographic within guys participating in the applications, right? Yeah. It used to be very rigid that you played the game so that you could go to the best areas to shoot the biggest things. Um, and nowadays the, the surge in applications we see, I think are coming from guys that are just like, listen, I just want to go. Yeah. I just like, I see, don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see animals. I want to have a chance to be successful. And as long as I'm not hunting yearlings, yeah. like as long as the area I'm going to has some level of track record for at least, you know, three to five year old animals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, happy. Every, yeah. You know, guys are super happy with that. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I was at is I, you know, I had a list of places that I really wanted to go see and hunt like and it was less about you know what caliber of animal am i going to see i just wanted something representative of the of that of a of a okay unit you know what i mean like that's really all yeah. i was looking for but it was more like like the one place i really wanted to get to was like was the missouri breaks like i want sure. to go there and i want to hunt there and so that was one of the items where it's like that's where i want to go i you know and i just want to see animals i want to just be able to hunt that place and see that place one time you know yeah. i had a and i had a list of those and some species and the hard part is is like i've had this in my head for years but yep. how daunting it is to try to make a plan to try to get there on your own and know what unit to go to. I mean, there's just so much research that the individual person has to do. 
And then the other part of it too was, is I wanted to have a setup where I could have a revolving door after a couple years that I could accumulate enough points that I could go to a different Western state, like basically every year in perpetuity until I decide that I don't really want to do it anymore. My body won't allow it, whatever the case is, you know, and that was, and that was really like the calling for me to start working with you guys was, you know, truly set up a hunt plan, not just like a, Hey, I want to go here in four years. That's like, helped me get there. It was, I've got four or five states that I want to hunt and, and three species that I want to hunt. I want to make a plan to where I can have an opportunity to hunt one of those states and one of those species basically every year, you know, uh, within like the next three to, to four years, once I accumulate enough points for like the units that we've outlined, you know, and that was, sure. that was the, really the kind of calling card for me. So I, I'm, I'm well, talking I a lot about so. what I want to do, but I want, I want you to get a chance to kind of explain people how you help people make that actually happen. Yeah, no, I, I, but I love your, your preface to it, right? Because I think it's a very, uh, similar type of, of goal and, and, uh, agenda that a lot of guys call when, when they do finally make this call and, and get on with the consultant and, and like kind of a, more of a 10,000 foot view and something I dive a little deeper into, like if I was giving one of my seminars or something like that is that it, an idea that hunting is a, a very progressive sport uh, by nature. Like, I think that from the time we get started, whether it was when we were um, young kids with pellet guns or whether you're an adult that's getting started or whatever it is, uh, inevitably, uh, as you find success, the, the goal shifts and moves and, and, and it's ever evolving. And sometimes guys go down these paths where, um, I, like a guy from the Midwest and the and, and the East Coast, whitetail specifically, right? Eventually, it, it's not about just killing a, a whitetail, which is what it probably was when you got started. It's like killing a big whitetail, right? right and right. and that's one form of progression. But seeing new things and experiencing new styles and all of those types of things, I think, fall right in line with that progression, um, all the way to where eventually. Some guys get, you know, bit by the bug bad and you're hunting all corners of the earth and everything. Right. But the, the application, you know, um, definitely, especially if you start to understand all the states and then how they they can have some synergy together, then you can create what we call a hunt plan that regardless almost of your goals, you can leverage these applications to create the opportunity instead of having to default to some expensive landowner permit or voucher and or the flip side of that defaulting um, always to an over-the-counter area that probably doesn't have uh, a very good success rate and things like that. Like mm-hmm. So the applications allow you to start mapping out your progression and kind of acknowledging that it is real, it's going to happen. And so instead of waking up in 10 years and being like, man, I got enough elk antlers in my garage. I can't run and jump over them uh, any longer. Not like that 300-inch bull or or that 5 by 5 just isn't doing it for me anymore. It's like, well, what am I going to do? If if that happens and you haven't been planning for it and preparing for it, unfortunately, with the current systems that exist within these point systems, you're really behind the curve at that point. But if we've been hunting as often as we want to leading up to that kind of um, breaking point, if you will. Um, and inevitably the, the applications will have been creating their own momentum. 
so that you constantly are progressing. There is something a little more exciting coming down the pipeline a little bit uh, more higher and higher levels all the time without, you know, the, on the other side of it, I, we get guys every once in a while, they'll call us and it's like, I've been putting in for Arizona elk for 18 years and I really would like to go. Can you help us? And it's like, well, what else have you got going on? And they're like, nothing. And it's like, holy cow, 18 years to wait right. on this elk. Uh, and then, then the and then the hunting part of it comes into play. Like the idea that we're going to wait 18, 20 years for some experience and then and then put it in a 10-day window and just say, okay, all my dreams are going to come true because I waited this long for this is, is a super unrealistic idea. That's just not how hunting is, even in unbelievable areas. Yeah. We, we, yeah, whatever your kind of core species that you grew up with, you think back about how many days you've hunted those and how many times it didn't work out. And it's like, oh, it'd be like me coming to Iowa, sight unseen or Ohio or wherever and saying, okay, I got a five-day window. I need to kill a 200-inch deer. Like right. everyone is like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, well, I just really want to. I've been waiting a long time for this. And it's like, that's not how it works. It's no different out West. And and yet, because they're tracking how many years they've told us no, uh, it sometimes it makes us feel almost, uh, you know, uh, entitled to magical happening. And yet, it's still just the hunt. And, and we get our chance to, yeah. to go. So yeah. if you're not hunting regularly through that process, that can be a really hard pill to swallow. But if you've got lots of things moving and shifting for you so that you are hunting as often as you are, you're probably more ready to capitalize on that, you know, unicorn tag, if you will. Yeah. And second of all, um, there's not as much at stake yeah. uh, when that does happen. Yeah, it's practice makes perfect, right? If you're going to go on a once in a lifetime elk hunt, like, you know, my, my mind would be how many elk hunts can I get in between now and then and other places that are not once in a lifetime that I can go more often. So I actually know how to hunt elk whenever I'm there. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, like right. That would, be, that would be my thinking. You know what I mean? You're coming off of a high school all-star game, and they put you in the World Series. Like, it's probably not going to go very well, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right, that's but right. Come to the minors and college and farm leagues and all of that, and you find yourself on the major league mound, like, you, you're you're probably ready. Like right. you've done diligent. You've worked hard to get there and now you're going to capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like my dream hunt and I don't even know how you would prepare for this yeah. is, uh, you know, and I don't know if I'll ever get to do it cause it's, it's an obscenely expensive hunt, but is I would love to hunt 
uh, Kodiak brown bear with a bow. Sure. That's I would I would love to do that. And I don't know if there's any way that you could actually. Well, I'll ask you: Is there any way that you could feasibly kind of prepare for a hunt like that? Other than hunting, um, other than hunting like spring bear and stuff like that, just you know, black bear or whatever. But I, I, you know, I don't know. Especially, I mean, you know, of all particular species in North America and destinations, right? Like that, you're uh, you're heading into the a uh, very remote path of dirt for an apex predator that few americans especially lower 48 have any experience with dealing you know with being in areas with such a daunting um species to to target but what i would say to it is that like preparing uh for that almost on i don't know what the best way to say this is yeah yeah there is because if you've traveled and you've done and you've grinded and you've had good hunts and you've had bad hunts and you've you know it's it's like golf right like mm-hmm. it's it's a men i i think especially something like a, a brown bear like i remember the first brown bear hunt i ever sold for cabela's and i'm like this i'm like so excited i'm so happy with myself it, i think at the time it was the single most expensive hunt i'd ever sold to somebody and i come out of my office and i'm like yeah and my boss is like oh congratulations you just sold somebody 10 of the shittiest days of hunting they'll ever experience for what they could have bought a truck for. <laughs> right. And right. I mean, like talk about like, just like deflate the sale, like right. Right, the, the balloon immediately. I'm like, what do you mean? And, and yet it's, uh, I think of all species, that one in particular, not consulting heavily to a guy that like, listen, you got a 10 day window and you could be staring at your guide in a tent for four of those days in nothing but rain. And, and when there's that much, time and effort and money put into um into a goal like that setting in a tent just hearing the rain just beating down uh, to a point where it's deafening it is a very hard mental thing for a guy who if you've never uh even tasted some sort of frustration on a hunt that you've invested in previously could be a very debilitating you know uh scenario that plays out so it, it's more maybe not the the actual moment of truth, if you will, mm-hmm. but but the mental game that goes into some of those those types of hunts, whether it's stone sheep or or, or brown bear or some of these that just oh, unfortunately have you know not unbelievable track or, or success rates when guys go, and yet you've got to do everything in your power. And then part of that is just preparing mentally by doing other things and being in those scenarios where it's not perfect so that you can, you can fix it and, and keep moving forward with renewed energy. I, I like when I was guiding, you know, a lot of our hunts in New Mexico are five days and on purpose at breakfast, if we were on morning four, I saved it all the way till then I would walk into wherever we were, the, the wall tent or a lodge or wherever I was guiding out of. And I, tell those guys they're going to write songs about us today today is the day like we're going to we're going to be heroes because if you're not walking into day four with that same intensity as you walked into day one mm-hmm. like it can get the best of you right yeah and so finding ways whether it's personally or or your guide is is kind of helping you along with that find that passion and that drive because if you're on day four and on a five-day hunt 
you're feeling that pressure and you need to be focused on on winning not on the 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 time on the clock right right and so that i guess gonna say what what can you do to prepare for something like that hunt yeah go hunt be be out there do do things um so that you've been there before when it's not going perfectly yeah that's 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 great advice um i think i think the one thing that people you know, uh, or at least the questions that I got, you know, whenever, you know, people heard that I was, you know, had made a hunt plan and was, was you know, to, to prepare to go out West for a, you know, a handful of years and succession and so forth. I think the misconception was they, they immediately asked, you know, was it through, you know, outfitters or whatever? And I said, you know, I, and I don't, and I, this is where I'd, I'd like to kind of explain like the different options of hunt plans. Cause for me, you know, my approach is I like to hunt public land because I like the adventure aspect of it and I'm still able-bodied. And I want to do that for as long as my body will let me. And then there will come a time in my life where I will change how I hunt because my body will require it. And then that might be where I use an outfitter or a guide or whatever, just to kind of continue to keep me out there doing stuff, you know? And so I think some of the misconception is, is that they think it it can only be done one way. And and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the hunt plan is really kind of tailored for you. That was the one thing I was working with Jared. He was just, yep. He was super tuned in, wanted to know what type of experiences I wanted to have, what species I wanted to have. Did I have states in mind or did I need help in like kind of defining the states based on the type of experience I wanted to have? And he did a, and he did a great job. And I ended up with like, I think it was uh, Montana, uh, Colorado, I want to say Utah, Wyoming. Um, I think it was those four. And then there was a sneak a sneaky sneak in one that we did for a white tail one that I'm not going to mention. Cause I don't want anyone else to know about it, but, <laughs> but, uh, um, right. There was a sneaky one that we, that we got for a, for a, like a really hard to get kind of white tail, uh, scenario And my species were mule deer, uh, antelope and elk were, were my three species. And sure. with that, you know, he put together a plan for me to be able to kind of, you know, and it was all, all public land, you know, looking at units that have good public land options, you know, and that was, the criteria for my hunt plan. So can you, can you talk a little bit about how you set up different hunt plans for different people and what the different options are? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, a lot of that really does come down to just, uh, the one thing, uh, as you get to know me, Clint, like I'm like the most long winded human on earth. Right. <laughs> um, and, and yet, and I've been told since I've ever got into sales that like, you know, my efficiency is, is really low um, because <laughs> I'm so long-winded. Right. Um, and yet, I, I really feel like I've like kind of just owned up to that in the last couple of years. And and guys like Casey and and Jared both are really kind of uh, seeing my vision on this. Like, first of all, if you're not asking a lot of most of these guys wouldn't even know how to articulate what their dream and what their vision and what their goals are necessarily maybe one specific hunt right they got mm-hmm. some vision in mind they're losing sleep over but but it takes a lot of time to ask enough questions so that you can get to a point where the guy truly whether he meant to or not has been able to articulate like all of these different things that kind of make him feel good and and make him want you know like and, and it's species driven and it's, and it's, it's weapon driven, it's experience driven, it's all these things. So we go through lots and lots of, of, of questions that do take some time on that initial consultation. And yet at the end of the day, um, if we've done well and done our jobs, 
then almost like this almost sounds bad, but regardless of what a guy says, it we're we're now able to say, okay, based on all this information that we have, you should be spending your money and investing in this state and this state and this state and this state to accomplish the number of hunts in the next 10 years that you're wanting to go on and and beyond. And and then and and then usually we we just want to incorporate because it, it is even two brothers or two buddies or a father and a son, especially a father and a son. Once you start getting kids involved in it, some of the opportunities exist for them. Um, they should be doing absolutely. And yet on the flip side of that, especially depending on the dad's age, we may be adamantly talking you out of that, right? Like, right. please don't, don't invest. If you're 45 years old, don't invest over here. But for a 10 year old that's just getting started, like absolutely we have to get him started because he's got the time to, to do all of that. And so a lot of it is just time on the phone. And, and unfortunately, we don't get to shake hands with very many guys. But what we do have is, is time. And we want to give that. To, and so I guess that's the process, right? Like, mm-hmm. take time. Spend, spend as much as you need on uh, each guy you're with. These questions have been answered. And then you can really have a lot of confidence moving forward. And hopefully, the more we're educating the guy, you know, our guys about why we're choosing those states. And some of that mystery gets gets taken out of it so that they've got a little more context so that it doesn't feel like we're just mindlessly donating money to these states every year. And it's like, well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I still don't know. And that might even take three, four conversations. It might take two or three years to truly get there. But if we if we do ask the right questions, spend enough time and then and then the other cool part of that, and like I tell these guys all the time, like the more time you're spending, the more genuine the relationship really is. And and we don't want to be a call center. Like right. that's, I, I want to be, we want to have those very genuine relationships because when they exist, cool things happen. It's your buddy who drew. Uh, it's right. your buddy's application. It matters. It's not just some random guy on the phone. And so that's one piece of it that I think we do very contrasting to really anybody else that I know out there is that uh, our agenda about like getting to the next guy is not there. Like right. we not how we're wired. And, and, and that's, that's how we come to those conclusions. I mean, obviously we, there's a lot of academics that we do on our end to kind of help us get to those conclusions based on a guy's answer, but really they set it up right and set it up for them. It's just time. Take take the time and ask lots of questions and and uh, and then and then execute accordingly. Yeah, yeah. No, it it was it was pretty seamless for me. You know, I had you know two different conversations with with Jared, and um, you know we pretty quickly got things you know ironed out. I did kind of come into the chat with like I kind of knew what species I wanted to hunt, kind of knew what states I wanted to hunt. And it was, I think our conversation was more just about, you know, what type of unit do I want to, do I want to try to draw? You know what I mean? Like what, what is my, my goal species level goal, so to speak, right? Like as far as like, are you yep. hunting all public? Like, how do you want to do that? Like, do you want yeah, uh, what style? Type of, 
yeah what, what's what style uh, like like elk for example right like i always use elk like elk is absolutely the broadest topic in mm-hmm. in in the united states right now because if you want to do a nine day horseback trip in uh the prettiest places you've ever seen in your life but probably never see an elk and catch a thousand fish while you're there for for pennies like yeah we got it you want to do a forty thousand dollar lodge based hunt for the biggest bulls you could dream of yeah we got that too right like it's it's there's so so when a guy's like i really want to go elk hunting that to me sparks at least a half a dozen questions you know because that what he's losing sleep over and what his vision and goal and dream really is could be so contrasting from the guy i was just got off the phone with the you know the horseback the wall tents the lodge base the public land the private land the guided the non-guided the the you know the the weapon selection the you know are we waterhole tree stand are we running and gunning like there's all these scenarios so as soon as we kind of even just have just elk in general uh, let alone some of the other species like that you know the longer we can kind of dig through that the better understanding we have and and then to your point or or kind of in context to something you said a little bit ago of like when some of your guys asked, is it outfitters that you're working with? Like, I I think we couldn't be further from that, uh, honestly, because if I'm an outfitter, God, God bless him. Right. We work with lots of them, tons of, I mean, all over the the country, they're a big part of our, our, uh, our business model, if you will, is having these relationships. But, but if I'm them and a random guy calls me on the phone and he's like, so are you, are you a lodge based hunt? And and maybe you normally hunt out of camping trailers, but you're like, well, you know, we could, I've got a buddy with a cabin. We could probably, we could probably do something like that. And it's like, oh, do you, are you on horseback? And you're like, well, we usually just hunt out of the truck. But if you want to do horses, I could probably, I got a, I got some horses we could get in the mix of it. And, and as just any, just like any business in, in the country, like his goal is to try and say yes and be as accommodating as he can to right. a potential customer. Right. And yet what the, what the hunter doesn't understand with that, with that is that although this guy's really nice, he's really accommodating and he seems very genuine in his desire to help by unbeknownst to them, they're pulling that outfitter further and further away from what his core run, like capabilities day in, day are. Out yeah. experience. Yeah. Is, and you're putting him in a scenario where he's not who he's even advertising. The success you're seeing is not a uh, based on being uh, the, the style being dictated by by the hunter who's asking for it. It's like this is what I'm really good at. So as consultants, when somebody articulates what what their vision and what their dream is, then our job is if we're worth shits as consultants is to know somebody right You're like man what you just explained is exactly what this guy does every day and he's dang good at it right and, and and so because of that i think that we should get started in this state in this application and 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 uh this is how many years uh or or maybe it's the next year whatever it is but this is the time frame on what we should expect to be able to go on this experience so we're going to start back planning and and doing just like any other goal we're going to set up the goal and then start start back planning till we take that first step towards accomplishing 
uh, that goal and and then and, and and so on and so forth we work our way through all of that all of those different scenarios and that's how we come to a conclusion on what should be on a guy's hunt plan and and what shouldn't be on his on a hunt plan and then and then to be totally honest if the uh, oftentimes one of our main goals is i i feel real strongly that we we really try our best it's every once in a while we'll have a guy with some very unique goals that maybe doesn't fit quite into this but it's pretty common that we should be able to at least get a guy on a hunt within the first three years right yeah. um and, and I, I find that extremely important to do that because just like myself i need to see some sort of benefit from the this investment that i'm that i'm making and so if we can accomplish that in the first three years and go get on a hunt and have a positive experience, it's, it's very common for us that a guy will come back and say, I need to know more. Like, I want to I see more. And then we, might, we have, it might go further down the rabbit hole. And then if you're like me and you're hopelessly addicted and you're immature <laughs> and reckless, like you, you just apply for everything because – you love the I love the game. I, right. I it's the funnest thing. Drawing a tag uh, is like one of the most. Oh, it's like uh, Christmas. Oh my god! Like it, it. So I geek out about it so bad, and and you know, and then especially when you see somebody, you know, hit a lightning strike, right? I yeah. call them unicorn tags. Like if they, I, I have a couple of folks this year that drew some deer and elk tags that had. You know, one one guy had nine points, and his odds of drawing was it's the best deer hunt in Nevada, and his odds were still percent with nine years into that thing. I have another guy that was three years in on a hunt that's currently taking like twenty two years to draw, and he he snagged his odds were less than one percent, and it's those are the freaking like yeah. that's the gas on the fire. Yeah, that you see those guys win and. My wife ever finds out how hard I play the game, she's gonna lose her mind because, <laughs> like, I I see these like less than one percenters come across my desk every year, and I'm like, maybe next year, like it could be me, right? right like, I, right. yeah, like what if what if it's me next time? And so, and that's part of the progression, right? Yeah. Is, is um, uh, there's so many states and places. I think that's the one piece of the puzzle that uh, I would argue that if a guy has more than five points, like you're doing it wrong. Like, yeah. what are you waiting for? Why, why, wh why are we continuing to donate money to this state? Um, and on the flip side of it, there are states that it, it's, it's not a, it, it, in, in my opinion, it wouldn't be necessarily a hunt plan that you're executing. It's that you truly have kind of learned enough to understand that at this point, we're going to invest over here, not, for any other reason that the, there is some really special opportunities. If we apply there, we're probably mathematically, we're probably never going to draw, but you can't win if you don't play. Right. And that's fine. If, but our goal is to make sure that we're articulating that extremely well with guys. So that if $1 has been spent, it's within context. It's, it's with understanding of what it is that we're doing. And yeah. some are a very rigid, um, uh, hunt plan that we're executing and others are because we like the game and we right. want to play it more. Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh, you know, I just, I had a really deep appreciation for, you know, 
the information you guys were able to share with me, you know, in just in the the nuances of like it's just there's things that you guys know and understand to help make a hunt plan that the most avid neurotic person who would be tracking points and things like that still wouldn't know. It was like it was get it. They can't see it on a big enough scale to see at the cause and effect that application is having on each, it's, it's on each other yeah. from state to state it, it, without seeing thousands of them and seeing the trends and seeing how it all plays in you miss little pieces of the puzzle that help can help you really play the game better mm-hmm. and, and better meaning not only having more success drawing but you know I, i've had this phone call where guys doing it themselves maybe they're even you know they, they're very organized. They've got their own spreadsheets. They've got their own plan. They're executing that plan well. And the next thing they know is they've got two or three tags in one year. And it's like, oh, how did this happen? Yeah. Like, I've been, I haven't drawn anything for a long time. And now I drew three. Well, that's another piece of it is if you understand the game very well and how these applications play with each other, you can avoid some of those pitfalls where now some guys will choose to hunt all three of them. And yet, are you really giving it its its due diligence? Uh, are you capable of putting giving it its due diligence because you've got all these other things going on? And on as well as um, it, if they turn them back, or God forbid, they just simply don't go and hunt it. It's like, right. oh my God, that's all for for nothing. For nothing. And yeah. that, yeah, and that's that's definitely a part of it. That when you are working with lots of guys for you know a long time and, and you understand how those applications work within each other you can keep that aggressiveness very very high and yet not risking having too much going or overlapping season days or all these other you know scenarios that we that we hear of and see um when guys end up calling us and like i need help like right. what what do i got to do here yeah yeah, and just the nuance also of just the, the unit level information. I know whenever I was talking through my plan, you know, you guys have like feelers out, you know what I mean? So you'll know like a unit that maybe is under the radar and on the come up and that yep. there's not a lot of pressure there because, man, they've been dragging a lot of big bulls out of there, but people just haven't been if talking about it. you know where you know? a very specific animal is and you know right where he is, do not tell us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like, yeah. like, uh, no, we we do try to respect that as much as we can. But, but you're right. Like, we see the stuff that's trending up, and we have lots of guys boots on the ground. Um, whether it's it's outfitters or even just you know uh, other hunters that go in and and have a positive experience with 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 something, and you know we want to we want to help as many guys as we can. Yeah. So it's. Uh, that was ultimately how I ended up with one of the the white toe hunt that I mentioned that I won't mention the the name of. It was a, a boots on the ground situation that I think you guys had learned. I think you guys had knew of, but someone had an experience and you were aware of the experience. And and when I was talking to Jared, he knew I was a big white tail guy. And so he just was like, Hey, he's like, I know this is really for Western like game hunting. He's like, but there's a really, really unique public land white tail hunt that is very specific he was like if you're interested he was like and it's it's a humdinger and i was like and it's i think i know it without even looking at your hump time i'm guessing i know which one it is probably. and and that whole program is unbelievable yeah. especially for the diy guy like yeah. it's it is if that one took us a couple of years to really dig our 
feed in where and and uh and wrap our mind around lots and lots of phone calls lots of travel and it and and i'm so excited for that entire program like yeah. i'm telling you we're gonna we're gonna do some pretty special stuff with guys that just doesn't seem to be really hitting the radar right now yeah we're we're So, oh, uh, yeah. sorry, I, I lost you for a second. Um, cool, man. Well, hey, let's uh let's jump into some hunting here real quick before we start moving in toward uh to wrapping this thing up. So, you've literally hunted and guided all over the place from Alaska, South Africa. You know, you name it. You've probably been there. What has your favorite hunt been to date? Oh man, I'm gonna be like super, like boring to an extent with that probably so one of my so last year my he was eight years old um my eight-year-old killed his first deer and his first bear oh wow um so like i can't even describe how uh, that felt as a as a dad like and he's teed up like this spoiled kid like he doesn't even know (laughs) how good he's got it because dad knows how to play the game pretty well and he's got a whole he's got a whole stuff lined up this year as well um personally i so when i was like 14 years old i was pushing shopping carts at at a kmart and and i've got two older brothers years older one's nine years older and i've always said those my two brothers are like my crystal ball like i always get to see what's coming down the life because of them and and so there i am i'm 14 years old they're graduated there some of a, one of them's even starting a family and all of this type of stuff. And I, I and I knew I, I loved hunting. I wanted, I, I don't know that I quite understood it as much as I do now, but I knew that I wanted to go do something really special um, prior to graduating, because if I didn't, um, life was going to happen very quick. I knew I was going to join the military and, and, and life was going to start moving. So I started saving all my money and all, and save up for a doll sheep um and by the time i was a senior in high school i wasn't able to i I couldn't quite afford that doll sheep hunt still and and yet i was able to afford a caribou hunt and i went up to my first week that i was a senior in high school i went up caribou hunting in the northwest territories and uh it it was like a horrible hunt we saw like 20 caribou work my butt off but on day three i killed this amazing bull caribou i was one of only a couple guys that week that actually even killed one and i'm telling you like a fire like absolutely burned on that hunt and and to this day i definitely look back because i don't know if i've ever i've been to africa i've been to alaska i've been to uh some of these other places and yet i don't remember maybe it taking as much effort as that one took Hmm. to even just be standing there doing it and so it's always been really special for me that 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 i got to go do that when i was 18 years old and it takes a freaking ton of shopping carts to go on a caribou hunt (laughs) gotta push a lot a lot of them to to be able to do that and uh and 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 yet it really set the tone like almost immediately i knew as soon as i got out of the military i was going to just jump in with both feet um 
so that one's always stood out to me uh, a lot. And then, and then, um, I would say, uh, I don't know that that one's probably the standout yeah. that caribou hunt really set in motion really a lot of the rest of my life right. for sure. What do you think, you know, or at least what you've hunted, what's been the hardest species for you to kill in your opinion? Uh, um, you know, I, uh, I'm reminded of a quote one time. Um, so Chuck Adams, when he got done with his North American 29, they were interviewing him and they were asking, um, you know, what was similar questions? What was the hardest? What was the scariest? What was, you know, your favorite and all of that type of stuff. And when they got to what is the hardest now, mind you, he had the world record at this time. His answer to what was the hardest is that I think a doe coos deer should qualify for Pope and Young. That's what his answer was. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I've always remembered that. And now, mind you, I've guided um, myself. If you wanted to, like, take a Boone and Crockett scale, the best of any species I've ever killed, it happens to be a coos deer. And I, I think uh, I would have to go with them as, uh, as the hardest. I'm a, I'm a, unbelievable advocate of audad hunting like i'm such a geek about those sheep i if if they told me i could only hunt one animal the rest of my life i think it would be audad hmm. um and a lot of that is because they still mess me up every time i hunt them same way like if i see a mule deer or see an elk or an antelope or a bighorn sheep like i'm going to kill it all i gotta do is see it and find it and then i'm it's i'm going to and and yet i get my butt kicked so much from those coos deer and those all that and i've guided the, i've guided the governor's tags i've i feel like i've kind of gone the highest level in in a lot of that stuff and yet uh they still give me fits and then the other thing i would probably add to that is is honestly whitetails hmm. like uh i i'd been to africa and alaska and the northwest there i've been all over the place before i ever hunted whitetails and i the first buck i ever first whitetail i ever killed i was by myself uh up on this little property up in the panhandle of texas and this uh, i'm sitting in a tripod stand and uh, the wind's blowing it's like freezing my butt off i can't uh, the, 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 the stand, the tripod stand is shaking because of the wind. And this buck comes out at probably 500 yards in this winter wheat field. And it, in the West, like, I think it's so different because you're just kind of like going, 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 going. And then it's like, Hey, there's your shot and you take it. Well, here I am in this, in this tripod stand and I can't do anything about it at 500 yards. My crosshairs are all over the freaking place. And I'm forced to watch this deer come all the way up to like 80 yards before I feel comfortable shooting him. And I want to, I, I really think I kept my cool and kept it together pretty well uh, all the way up until the shot. And when I shot, I, I don't think I've ever had something mess me up so bad in my life. Like I, <laughs> I remember it, it, it would have been like five in the morning in Utah where I called my brother's. And they're like, what is going on? I'm like, I just killed a giant whitetail. And I tried to climb out of that tripod stand like 
probably one minute after it happened and was shaking so bad I had to sit back down and and like gather myself because I was gonna fall out of that thing. And and since then I I've I've tried to chase that that feeling again that Whitetail give me because uh, as bizarre as that probably sounds like I never uh, to this day when I see a Whitetail like I yeah, look at that thing. Yeah. Look at him. <laughs> because growing up in Utah and in New Mexico, Arizona, like I we never saw him. Like right. I still totally like when I see a doe white tail, I'm like, wow, look at that. There's yeah. a white tail. Yeah. And so I, I'm the same way. Right. I, I still I get I still get fired up when I see does. I always say that I'm like, you know, the day that comes that I don't get fired up just seeing deer in general when I'm in a tree, uh, will be the day that I should probably hang it up. You know, cause yeah. you know, but well, man, I know we've been doing this for about an hour. I want to be sensitive to your time make sure you have some time to get back to your, your family and stuff. But before I let you go, uh, if you wouldn't mind, let folks know where they can find out more about the draw, the website, where they can kind of follow you guys and just find more information in general. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, probably the first one is, uh, like a lot of, uh, folks, our Instagram page is at we are the draw. Um, so if, uh, if you're inclined to be on social media, check us out there or Facebook at the draw, we have a YouTube channel, um, and then the www.thedraw.com. Um, there's lots of information on there and our absolute favorite is just give us a call 575-222-1234. Um, and we'd love a chance to, to talk and and at least just see if there's something there that we can help with. Um, because that's, that's the goal is just to see if we can ask enough questions that we can find a way to, to really help somebody chase, chase a dream down that, that uh, maybe they thought was out of reach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I urge everyone to check out the website and, and just give these dudes a call. If, if going West and hunting West is something that you've wanted to do and you maybe thought it was out of reach or you couldn't hunt the types of places that you wanted to hunt or whatever the case is, I urge you just to give them a quick phone call, have a quick conversation and start to think about a hunt plan. Cause you only get a, you only get one chance to, uh, to, to travel in this ball of dirt. You might as well make the best of it. So Jordan, yeah. I appreciate your time, brother. Um, I will let you get going. You have yourself a good rest of your, uh, your weekend and, uh, good luck this upcoming season. Awesome. I sure appreciate the opportunity, Clinton. Like always, uh, give us a call if you need anything at all. Okay. We'll do. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.